0: All right, get rid of that one. So, how are you guys doing? It's been a while since you've been up here. Well, I've been up here, I mean, and uh, there's a, probably a reason for that, but I think Pastor Zeke got stuck this time, and so you're just gonna have to put up with me. That's all. You You know, it's true. <laughs> Well, we're going to look at Colossians chapter three this morning. We um, I looked at we looked at that together back in August, and so what I want to do is I want to um, um, I'm going to start at the beginning of chapter three, and we're going to read through uh, verse 17, and then we're going to get into our teaching on marriage, and uh, so you had your chance to get out of here, but you're stuck now. So I don't think it's a mistake, you know, that, you know, I don't think, I don't think, you know, there's fate and chance and all that kind of stuff. And when God does things, you know, the ladies are on the retreat right now. Um, We've, you know, haven't really looked at this since August. And so now this happens to be the place and they're at the retreat and we're here and then the man's meetings next week and all that kind of stuff and I think God sets things up so that he can line us up so that we have a a good understanding of where he wants to go with this and so um, you know this is all from him so you know you can't blame me I guess that's what I'm trying to say okay so anyways let's pray oh gracious heavenly father lord we just praise you for this beautiful morning and a good time that we can we can uh, just come and worship You and grow in You and to know You better. And Father, uh, we just pray that our fears can indeed be wiped away, Father, in Your presence. And so, Lord, we're in Your presence now. We know that. And so we just place this whole time and this whole service into Your hands. We pray You'll move by Your Spirit here this morning, Father. And that we can be changed and different when we walk back out those doors and that we can desire to know You more and to know You more. And to to just uh, to seek you above all things, we praise you and thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, Amen. All right. Okay, Colossians chapter three, looking at verse one, he says, "If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth." For you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. There's like 15 teachings just in that one little you know, group of scripture right there. It's just incredible if you take that and you look at each verse and, and, and just see how it impacts your life and the understanding that you can gain from each and every one of those. It's incredible. Um, but to understand that 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 you died as one who knows uh, Christ. You died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. This is the thing that, that makes all of this work. And as we go through this scripture and we look at this and and how He lines all this stuff up to get to that place where we start verse 18, we'll have a good understanding and a good you know foundation from which to move from and understand that That, you know, how we can then apply this and make this work, you know, for us. Verse five, he says, therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. So we are to set our minds on the things that are above and we're to put off those things like fornication and uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness. The definition of those terms... Fornication is illicit sexual intercourse. Uncleanness is lustful, shameless living. Passions are depraved passions. Evil desire is actually two different words, which is wicked thinking and and a desire for what is forbidden and lust. And then covetousness, which is a greedy desire to have more. These are all self-serving things. They're all about me. It's all an inward thing, that, and it's always something that I'm grasping or grabbing a hold of, or things that I want. Every single one of these things is about me, and self-serving me, and, and lust, and selfishness, and those kinds of things. The bummer of it is, is, is that when we grab a hold of these things and, and such, then fruit comes from that, and the fruit that he describes here is pretty scary stuff. It's anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, and filthy language. This is fruit from this thing that we come, which is the fornication and the passions and the uncleanness and this lustful desires and evil desires. What comes from that is the anger, wrath, and malice. How many times have you ever been in a position to where you know that you've got something going on and, and you're caught up in a selfishness? You know the Lord, you know where you're walking, you know what you're supposed to be doing, but you get caught up in something. And all of a sudden, one of these things starts to take over, or yourself or your flesh really takes over, and you start moving in that direction, and you stay in that. And you know it. And then all of a sudden, you get, start getting angry, and you start getting nasty, and you start fighting with everybody, and, or with your wife, or your, or your husband, or whatever, and you know better. But you continue in it anyways. And as long as you stay in this lustful, in this selfish state, then anger, wrath, malice, and that all comes and and it just keeps breeding. I was looking at a study the other day and, and a guy was talking about, um, you know, um, how the world is dealing with, with evil and this sort of thing. and um, And it's interesting because it's just like, you know, just feel good and and if society just gets good then you know we're just going to all feel better and everything is going to be fine and and but it's impossible because he tells us right here if i get caught up in these things and i get caught up in a selfishness and i move along that selfish line anger wrath malice and that sort of thing is going to come blasphemy it's going to come and it's and it can't not come it will And if you've ever been caught up in this, you'll understand that. And all you do is just open up the newspaper or go online and, you know, look at the Drudge Report or something. You can see it, you know. I I tried to look at the Daily Press the other day. I didn't get much out of that. But there's other stuff out there that you can look at online and stuff. And, and, uh, you know. But anyways, I want to go there. Um, (coughs) So then, you know... um, He says then to put off this old man and clothe ourselves with a new spiritual self. And then he says something really cool here. He says, and have put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So this new image, this new man that is created is created by God. And we're to put that on. This whole thing is about action. This is about movement with us. This is about stuff that we're going to do. This is about putting on and putting off. And here he starts telling us to put this stuff on, to to take these things off and then put on that new man that's created, you know, and renewed in knowledge according to the image of Him who created him. You're created in the image of God. And you're you're in that knowledge and you put that on. And so looking at verse 12 then, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, which is also <coughs> to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So we're to put on tender mercy. Kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Sounds just like the stuff that's in Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, the fruit of the Spirit. As we begin to put on that new uh, man, that's the image of God created by him, and we put that on, then the fruit of the Spirit begins to come out. And, and, And it's love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness. These things become, you know, ours. And it becomes evident. And instead of producing a fruit that comes from some kind of a selfishness or some kind of a junk that I'm carrying around, which is anger, wrath, malice, which is thrashing everybody, and then I wind up being alone. Because I keep pushing everybody away and attacking and stuff. And instead, it it all comes about, you know, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. And if anyone has a complaint, forgive them. So you also must do. There's forgiveness and kindness and goodness and patience and these kinds of things. And then the cool part of this is, is that then he goes on to say, let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were also called in one body and be thankful. The end result is the peace of God. Instead of the anger, wrath, malice and blasphemy and, and the filthy language, I get peace. I mean, you can't beat that. It's awesome. It's awesome to even contemplate. And, and then when, when we were singing, you know, he talks about, you know, the, there's no fear. Our fears are cast away in, the, in God's presence. We're not afraid of stuff. Man, when I'm caught up in all this fornication and and this lusting and evil desires and stuff, there's a ton of fear attached to that. And when I get afraid, I get nasty and I get mean. And I start thrashing. And then that's when all the anger and all the junk starts coming out. And then I start running people off. I don't want them close to me. I don't even want to talk about forgiveness and all that kind of stuff. So then, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So then we get to do that. Awesome stuff. Oh, and when he's talking about let the peace of God rule and let the word of God dwell in you and that kind of stuff, that's kind of a neat term he uses there. We talk about putting off and putting on you know, and that sort of thing. Here, you let it come. In in the fruit of the Spirit, and as it comes, we then let the peace of God rule. We just allow it to happen. That means that I can stop it, (laughs) you know, which sounds so silly, but man, don't I do that all the time? Don't I always try to block it in some goofy way? And he's like going, what's wrong with you, man? Just let it come. You know, you know what to do, you know how to do it, just let it happen. <clears throat> well, when I was, um, a few weeks ago, I was looking at, at a little article, and this is kind of pertinent to this because I'm old, and I'll describe this to you, and I'll kind of clarify this in a second here so that you understand what I'm talking about. I read a little article here the other day. In the Daily Press, it was a, a letter to the editor, and it was called "The Changing of America." It was on Sunday, March 1st, and it was by a gentleman, and uh, he's talking about the changes that's going on in our, in our, in America, in the United States, and, and kind of his perspective on it. And I think that he's uh, um, some kind of an author or something because he really enjoys the English language, and he, you'll see as I start to read this, he really has a real flair for it and likes to, you know, use it a lot. And so, um, but uh, let me read this and then I'm going to get into this whole thing here in a little bit. It says, The Changing of America. It's hard to overcome the monolith of malaise which descends like a fog depressing the will as we witness one liberty after another banished to the blurry realm of memory. Just Bear with me here because this is good, you know, this is just... You know, he, he, he just likes the language. It's cool. God given rights, uh, once assumed and purchased at so dear a price, are now mere folklore to a generation beholden to the benevolence of government and, an over, and overwhelmed by the ferocity of the assault on so many fronts. We who do remember remain idle, paralyzed by unbelief. The fundamental changing of America has not only begun, it's almost complete. The free exchange of opposing thought, which forms which form the pillar of equality and ultimately a means to redirect and correct the course of our nation, is now countered with charges of hate crime, the violation of an arbitrary thought patrol imposed by those who could not succeed in the open arena of ideas uh, and debate. Don't for a moment believe this could never happen in America because it's already begun or that we, the people, will inevitably prevail. Such confidence is the antithesis of vigilance and has paved the way for every empire's journey to irrelevance. Comedian George Carlin once joked that older people are more religious because they're cramming for their final exam. (coughs) Only recently I realized that he missed the point, which is that older people, after trying all other options, simply come back to what works. Now and i agreed with that you know and i'm like going yeah okay but i mean even going further than that when we look at what our text is here and how that relates to me um, my experience is i'm you know a uh, 60s got me by the coattails and i'm running away from it but it's going to overtake me here in a few months and i can't escape that and all of my experiences is older. It's it's that, you know, I can remember, you know, the 60s and 70s and probably a lot better than I can the 80s and 90s. But uh, I began to realize that my son graduated in 2001. That means the kids that were born in 2001 are in high school now. And so they don't even know what 19... 99 was like they don't even know the 90s they don't even know the uh, millenn- that millennium they don't know the change to me it was yesterday it was last minute i mean it was like you know wow well that was 15 years ago whoa what a trip it it it, it blows my mind that 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 things move so fast but i i move within my own experience here and i know what things used to be like And I look at an article like this and I'm going, yeah, I wished it would go back to that simpler time when it was difficult. Pastor Zeke said something the other day that kind of rocked me, you know, and I I never even thought of it before. Maybe that's where all this started. He said that the kids today are never going to know what it was like not to have gay marriage. And and I didn't, I'd never even thought of something like that because I live within my own experience as to who I am and what I am and that sort of thing. But their experience is like, I'm like this and they're there. And so all of a sudden I begin to realize that that they've got this little tiny chunk. Does this relate to them? In 1 Peter, when he starts talking to those people, and he starts a salvation message and starts laying it out for them, he goes to Christ and Christ and salvation and starts laying it out because Nero was taking Christians and lighting his garden parties with him. The persecution was so heavy, it was unbelievable what was going on with people in those days. And so he was taking that and he was pointing them right back to Jesus the fornication and the, and the um, uncleanness and the passion and evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry, those things are becoming common. Those are the things that they are saying is good now. And these kids, they, they don't remember when it wasn't. When the world says, no, this is right, this is good, this is the way it's supposed to be, that's when all of a sudden we begin to say, no, 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 Wait. It's our job then, you know, as parents, then to, 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 you know, um, help young people understand, no, that is not the norm. This transcends time. There, there is never, this is never going to, well, we're going to like massage this and make a little. No, that's not the way it goes. He says that we need to get rid of this uncleanness and we need to embrace and get a hold of the love, the joy, the peace, the kindness, so that peace of God can become ours and rule and allow it to to rule in our lives and become real in us. I can't allow this junk to... And this, this stuff will never be okay, no matter what the world says. He wants to go back to a simpler time because he's old like me. But un- unfortunately, there's a lot of people now that are starting their, their life and their careers and stuff that don't have that experience. But in Christ, they then can be safe in that peace of God because this transcends time and they know right and wrong. And it's our job as as you know, older, you know, uh, Christians, older saints, however you want to put it, and parents and that sort of thing, you know, to, to teach our children and make sure they understand these things and know them. Oh, man, my kids are all old. They're all out thrashing, man. They, they're gone, you know. Well, do it anyway. Make sure they know. Stand up and say something. And God is going to Move. He hasn't never left us. He hasn't gone anywhere. He's teaching and He's moving. He's still showing the folly of this mindset. But we don't want to let the world get a good foothold into our families and say, no, no, that's cool. This stuff is okay because it's not. And it, what does it do? Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, evil, you know, uh, filthy language. That's what it produces. That's what comes from it. We don't want that stuff. And we don't want that stuff in our kids' lives or in any young person's life that we know. I don't have any kids. Oh, you got any nieces, nephews? You know, what about the kids around here? You can talk to them too. Or just pray and be attentive. So then, the Apostle, being the kind of guy he is, he then takes this mindset And he puts it into right directly into our families, and he lays it in there strong. Looking at verse 18 here, he lays it out. This is where the rubber meets the road, this is where it becomes reality. This is where he takes something and says, Okay, this we got to get rid of this, we got to put on this, and so. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And so here he starts out, and and we're going to correlate this with Ephesians chapter 5 because it, it just gives us a better understanding of where he's going. Paul wrote both of them, so... We will bounce back and forth between the two. But he says here, Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Make sure I catch up here. I don't want to mess anything up. So then, uh, let me read uh, Ephesians 5 here. I'm going to read 22 through 33 just so we can have a good foundation in which to jump from here and to understand what he's talking about. It says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the Water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having a spot or a wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body of his flesh, of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father, his mother, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, I speak, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. You know, I, I, uh, this, this, this whole thing right here in marriage is, is a reflection of our relationship with God. That's what marriage is. And, and God did it this way on purpose. I didn't ask Jesus to die for me. God demonstrates His own love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I didn't ask for that. He did it. And I was reading an article the other day and it said that Adam um, uh, didn't ask for a wife. He was, you know, naming all the animals and everything and watching them having their you know, thing going on. And so, you know, and God said, you know what? We're going to make him a mate. He needs somebody too. So he made uh, Eve, you know, from a piece of Adam. And then, then uh, when he brought them together, then he instituted marriage. He then put this whole thing together and He said that uh, that a man shall leave his mother and his father and he will cling to his wife and the two will become one flesh. This is all God-driven. This came from Him down. Nowhere in this did we ask for some kind of an institution or, you know, hey, can you give me a woman? Come on, man, I'm lonely. He didn't do any of that stuff. God initiated the whole thing, brought it, and gave it to Him. And He set it up. And it's a reflection of our relationship with Him as we just read. It's, about, it's all about Christ and the church and our relationship with God. And, and so that is how our marriages are supposed to look. That's what it's all about. <clears throat> so then, in Colossians 3.18, he says... Wives submit to your own husbands, or yeah, wives submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. The word submit is a military term, and it's used in a non-military use here. And it says it's a um, Strong's puts it as a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden. Thayer's Greek Concordance says to Subject oneself to obey, submit to one's control, to yield to one's admonition or advice. Now, if you don't care for that, it gets worse. In, um, In Ephesians 5, it's the same word. That's used in verses 22 and 24. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Now, it's important for us to recognize something here, and and Paul and Peter both do this. When they're talking about submission, and they're talking about a wife's role, and that sort of thing, they never start with what the husband is supposed to do. They start with the wife. There's a reason for that, obviously, because he's saying, I want you to do this anyway. You should be in this position doing this, and I don't want you to have to react to and bounce off of your husband before you do this. Why? He doesn't do that. He's not like that. He doesn't love me. You know, There is none of that. He wants you in obedience to this and moving within this spot, in this place, before he already wants you in this mindset. So, that this is a natural thing that you're supposed to do. And it is a natural thing because it says that a man, uh, a woman, is to desire her husband. When the fall came, she has a natural desire for her husband. And so he set it up that way. And that's how come Paul sets it like this. So. In verse 33 down here now it says, Nevertheless, each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. In the old King James, that term is reverence. And so in Thayer's, it's like to reverence, venerate, which is reverence, to treat with deference or a reverential obedience. And it's like, man, man, that's kind of tough, but I think I can kind of, You know, the reverence thing. I can just claim I don't understand what that means and I can just kind of hang in there somewhere. Let me read it to you in the Amplified. And then that way it covers all bases. See that she notices him, regards him, honors him, prefers him, venerates and reverence, esteems him, that she defers to him, praises him, loves and admires him exceedingly. So there you go. You got the list, and it's out there, and it's all yours. Yeah, but you don't know my husband. Yeah, but there is no yeah buts in this whole thing. There is none, and and the, that's why I'm saying he put this up front first. This is the way he did this. Now you have to understand something here. We'll put this in a in a male perspective. You got your big giant four wheel you know, a truck and you're, you're slinging mud and you're stuck and you're, you're dumping and it's in, you know, you're know you up to the axles and you're not going anywhere, but you're slinging a lot of water. Or you got your big block Chevy and you're stepping on it and you're in the street and you're just smoking and I mean, you're throwing chunks off those tires, but you're not moving an inch because all you do is you got all the power in the world, but you're not moving because we haven't put that in place yet. You're just sitting there. You're making a lot of noise. You're making a lot of smoke. You're slinging a lot of water, but you haven't gone anywhere yet because we have to look at the next verse here. <clears throat> but husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. And we were going to go back, in course, and look at, at Ephesians again as we're, we're building up in this. But... Um, <clears throat> there's a question that comes up here before we really get started on this. And the list that we just read for the ladies that, and our wives and as to how they're supposed to be responding to us, do we make that easy? Or do we make this very difficult for them? Because this is the question that has to be asked. Where are we at in this? And this is when, why I think that God is getting this set up here. He's got the man meeting coming up. He's got things going on here. He's, he's teaching us something here so that we can get an idea of, of what our role is. And He wants us to step up as men and to take over in our families and start making a difference. It's His desire for us to do this. And this is not a bad thing. This is really good because we're going to see at the end just how wonderful this is and how awesome it can be. We just have to start putting some things into place. In Ephesians uh, 5.23, he says, For husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. (coughs) Bless you. So then, are you the Jesus in your home? That's the question. No! No! Not Jesus in my home. Jesus is Jesus. He's the Savior. I can't be Jesus. I'm not gonna even try. No, He's He's there. That that and and and, you know He He's in charge of everything. And I'm just gonna just trust Him and and we're just gonna move along in that. No, I ain't Jesus. No way, man. I ain't even gonna try to do that. Not a chance. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing that... She should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Comes right out of Genesis. That's when he made Eve to begin with. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So husbands are to love their wives as Christ loves the church and gave himself for her. And we are to give our lives for our families. Verses 26 and 27 describes the relationship of Jesus and the church. He sanctifies, cleanses her with the washing of the word so that he can present her, the church, to himself so that she could be holy and faultless, which is from the Amplified. Jesus died and rose and nourishes the church so that the church would remain with him forever. And so our marriages are to reflect this relationship and we are to love, care, and nurture our wives so that they remain with us forever. That is the way God set it up. If there is divorce in your conversation, get rid of it. Because God says that it is no place there, but I already got a divorce. Well, if you have a new relationship, then renew it. Yeah, but I I don't know, I'm engaged right now, you know. You know, and so start thinking about this, praying about this and paying attention to this because our marriages reflect our relationship to God. That's the way he set it up. He initiated it. He made it. He's the one that's done it. Now, let's, if you're remarried and stuff, then get rid of the guilt from the past and work on what's going on in your life now. If you're thinking about getting married and you're engaged, engaged is not marriage. You can't live together. You can't sleep together. You've got to stop it. Separate yourselves out. And then respect her enough then to not sleep with her before marriage. If you're out scoping women and that sort of thing, or whatever, stop it. The two become one flesh. The sexual relationship is just that. You can't do it. We can't. We've got to stop it. If you're not married, then get married. Because if you're saying that you have a relationship with God, then you're caught up in the fornication and the uncleanness and the evil desire. And the anger, wrath, malice is going to come out and you can't stop it because you're living together in, uh, in an immoral relationship. And you have to stop. Our, our marriages reflect Christ. And we are to be the Jesus in our marriage. He says it straight up. And we can't, we can't just kind of make up our own rules. He's the one that set this whole thing up. It's not us. And if I'm the initiator, once the, 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 the car starts going down the road, once I begin to walk in this and understand how much I need to take care of my wife and my family... Man, I ain't even married. What about that? So this is immaterial. No, it's not. Why don't you take this submission thing and apply it to Christ you know, Himself then? Make Him the number one. And then just leave it into His hands as to whether you're going to get married or not. He'll bring somebody if that's His desire. This is a heavy duty relationship, uh, responsibility for men. But it can't be taken lightly. We can't say, ah, well, you know, I'm just going to kind of push it off to the side and just kind of make my own way. I can't. And I'm going to fall back into that other nonsense. And then I'm all beat up and thrashed. (coughs) So then. See that? I got to preaching. See that? (laughs) Okay. So then. (coughs) In... um, In Colossians 3.19, and I've got to hit this because I don't want to let this lag. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. This is a full-blown don't do this. He's not even giving us any speculation on this one. He says don't. Don't means don't, don't do it. Don't get bitter. And it means to embitter, to exasperate, to render angry, indignant, irritated. I can't get caught up in this kind of stuff and, and, and all of a sudden create some kind of a thing where she is doing this back at me or I'm doing this towards her. I'm in the control. I'm in the driver's seat on this and I can control this. And I can't allow bitterness to come in and start wrecking my marriage. And then I get lost in the fornication and the uncleanness and all that stuff and the anger, wrath, malice starts coming out again. And it's this vicious circle that never stops. So what I want to do is I want to you know, put on the tender mercies, the kindness, the humility, the meekness, and the long-suffering. And I want to bearing with and forgiving one another and this sort of thing. And that's why in, in, in Ephesians, before he ever starts you know, there, he starts saying that submit one to another. Make it easy on yourself. Start deferring to each other right off the bat. But men, take the driver's seat. And she will naturally follow right along with you because it's in her nature. God set it up that way. <laughs> you don't know my wife. No, I'm telling you, you know, trust God because he's going to do it that way. And don't wait for your husband to take this lead. Well, I'm willing to if he's going to start loving me and nurture me and stuff. That's why he put this thing first. If you do your part, he does his part. The two meet in the middle. You both look at Christ and you grow in him, you know, together. And that's where it's at. Verse 20. So we'll get off of that now. Move to a happier subject. Children, (laughs) obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Now, children, eh, young people, you may have a problem with this. This is kind of difficult. You know, obey your parents, you know, and stuff. So we can make it a little bit easier and we'll read it in the Amplified. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. There isn't no difference. (laughs) (coughs) He doesn't give us any whitewash on that one. There isn't any maneuvering here, you know. He's saying obey your parents. Right out of uh, um, uh, Exodus 20, uh, it's part of the Ten Commandments. Honor your mother and your father. That happens to be with any age. And again, he's putting this in the forefront just like he did with wives. Before he talks to dads, he talks to the children and he says, Obey, move in that obedience. And stay in that and trust God for what he's going to do. In Back in Ephesians... He's in verse in chapter six, he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your mother and father, which is the first commandment with promise that they may be that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And this is where we land here, because what we were talking about experience before, this is the place we want to get to. I want to bring up my children and, you know, in the training and admonition of the Lord. I want them to know Him. But what if I do that and they don't know Him? You trained them. You did what their sin is their own. You can't, you can't live their life for them. Yeah, that's tragic and it happens. And it's very hard to deal with. It's a very difficult thing to deal with. But it happens. And we trust God for wherever they're going to end up at, at whatever age they're going to end up at. We're just going to trust Him. So, yeah, but what if my parents are like you, man? You don't know my dad. It doesn't matter. Obey them, honor them. Um, And then so we look at verse 21 here, and as we go back and forth, it says, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. The word provoke here is different than what's used in, in Ephesians. And um, uh, it's to stir up, to stimulate, excite, provoke. It's in a bad way. But to uh, Ephesians 6, 4, it, the provoke is strictly a bad way. It's a different word, but actually the fair kind of lumps it all together. But it can, it's, you know, it's to rouse, to wrath, provoke, exasperate anger. And so... We want to bring our children up in the admonition of the Lord and we want them and our desire is to stay there. Maybe they will, maybe they won't, but we're going to be obedient to the Spirit anyways. And we don't want to break their spirit. We want to put off that old man and the flesh and the garbage and stuff that we have put up with for so many years and we want to put on and move within the Spirit and and within the fruit of the Spirit, and the love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, patience, and faithfulness, those things are what's ours, and we want to have that Then peace of God begin to rule in our lives. We don't want to stay in this. So then, gentlemen, you are in the driver's seat. If you put off the old man and clothe yourselves in this new spiritual self, put on the love and let the peace of God rule in our hearts. Let the Word of Christ dwell in us, and we do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then our wives won't have to struggle to reverence, and our children won't ha- will be encouraged and desire to obey and to grow up in the admonition of the Lord. And this is, this, this is we're in the driver's seat on this, guys. This is ours, 100%. This is all us. And, you know, of course the two have to meet, but... We are in the driver's seat. Let's make it easy for them then to move in the natural bent that God has already placed within our wives and they can move in that. So this is too hard though, man. You don't even know my wife. You don't even know my husband. You don't even know what I've been through. You know? This is my fifth marriage. You know? Well, then start doing it now. At some point you're going to get it right. You know? I mean, you know... Start putting it together. It's cool, you know. <clears throat> but it's, the alternative is way worse. Especially if you've already been there, done that. You don't want to go back there again. Or if your marriage is starting to go down, that means you've been living through hell already. And he's offering us a, 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 you know, a fix. And he's saying, if you move within this, then things are going to gel. Things are going to get better. It's going to be good. We want that. So let's do this. Because the alternative is, you know, is anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language. I've done enough of that stuff. I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. I hate that feeling. I hate opening my mouth and filthy things coming out. Tired of it. I want things to be different. And he is saying they can be. And we're the ones that's going to generate that. Let's pray. <clears throat> oh, gracious heavenly Father, Lord, we just want to glorify you and honor you and, and give you this time. Lord, we, we give you our lives right now. We give you our marriages. We pray that you'll move, Father, in, in, in such a way that a real healing can take place that That uh, you will move and bless and touch and 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 uh bring each and every man that's in here, Lord, that's in a relationship to that place of walking with you to cast off the junk that plagues us and to, to just truly trust you, Father, for where we're going to end up at, Lord, we just want you to be number one and we want that peace, Lord, we desire that peace so much, please, Father, move in our lives and in our marriages. Bring us to that place of just uh, trusting you, knowing you. So, Father, we just uh, give this over to you, and we just love you, Lord, and we thank you that you loved us so much that you actually gave us a pattern for our marriages. We pray we will move in that, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.